Please be seated. So when we um, moved here from Dallas, one of the things 17 years ago, one of the things that we never had, or I had, my wife had, she lived in, near Houston, uh, I'd never experienced a hurricane. Okay? So I uh, didn't know much about them. I read, heard about them on the news and those sorts of things, but didn't really, I mean, there was stuff that happened a long way from me. Well, 2004, our second year here, uh, we were affected by four hurricanes. And so I learned a lot about them real quickly. Uh, and then 2005, I think, is when Katrina hit New Orleans. And then, uh, so anyway, uh, let me say it this way. I know a lot more about hurricanes than I ever wanted to know. Okay? So when we moved from um, Clay County up here to Murray Hill, uh, we moved into a house that was built in the 1950s. And we moved in at the end of June, and the first hurricane came. It was late. It was like in October hurricane came through. And um, I have to admit, I was a little scared. How is this going to hold up in all of this? And it was amazing because the way the house was built, the way that house is built, it's concrete block. Um, if the electricity hadn't gone off, we'd have never known the storm came through. It was like being in a bunker. It was great, right? So we got up the next day. There were limbs all over Four Corners Park. We were walking around Four Corners Park. Limbs were falling off the trees. And it was like, wow, so glad the house is built the way it is and where it is. It made things good, right? And so when we go through hurricanes, we, we like to have the house in the right place, built the right way, and we feel safe that way. And I tell you that because I'm not teaching you anything about hurricanes that you don't already know. But as Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, he makes a very specific statement. There are a lot of things you can build your life around. But if it's not me, the house is not going to stand. And so he's gone through all of the Sermon on the Mount. He's, this is how you should live your life. This is who you can become when you follow me. And he's, he's laid out this incredible outline for living, a beautiful, beautiful um, teaching. And the longest teaching we have recorded of Jesus. And he comes to the end, and he says, basically, now it's time to choose. It's time to choose. You're either going to live by my words or you're not. So today you should decide. So let's look at how he, how he said it uh, here in Matthew chapter 7. Page 972, if you're using the Pew Bible, verse 24, the wise and foolish builders. So again, Jesus has gone through all of this teaching. This is who you can be if you follow me. This is what my kingdom can be like. This is what my people can be like. Now you have two choices. You can build your life around me, or you can build it around something else. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Sounds like a hurricane. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In 28, 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. 
All right, so in 24 through 27, Jesus says there are two choices now. You've listened to all of this. I've laid out for you what my kingdom is like. I've laid out who you can become. I've laid out what my people can be like. And I've laid out how different the kingdom that I'm establishing is going to be. Now you have a choice. You can build your life on me, or you can build it on something else. So let's look at the two parts of it. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice. is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let me tell you why that would have been a significant statement for those who listened. They live in a desert area, and they knew when you build a house, the first thing that you find is rock upon which to build it. And they knew that nobody would build their house on the sand. That would have been a ludicrous idea. You don't build your house on the sand in the desert because the first storm that comes through, your house is gone. And so Jesus was tell, talking to them about something that had been very familiar to them. You build your house on a rock. You do that for a reason. Because when the storms come, you don't want the house to fall. And so Jesus says, when you choose to live by these words of mine, you are just like the person who builds their house on a rock here in the desert. The house will stand. And Jesus says, when you build your life around me and these teachings that I've laid out for you, the house won't fall. The house will stand strong. Now, he didn't say that it would be easy, but he is affirming the reality that storms will come in life. We know that. If you've lived any length of time, you know that to be true, right? Storms will come. They will be a part of the journey. But Jesus says, if you build your life around me, you will stand through those storms. You will find peace. You will find joy. You will find all of these things that I've laid out before you, and the house will stand eternally. And when you build it on me and around me, your life will be exactly what you're looking for. It won't go exactly as you want, but it will be exactly what you've been looking for if you build your life around me. I remember when I was six years old, uh, because it was the day I thought I was going to die when I was six. Uh, we were at my grandparents' lake house, and uh, we were going to spend the day in the boat, and, but we needed gas. So there were only four of us who were awake enough to go get gas, and that was my dad, my Aunt Susie, my cousin Chip, and me. And so we got in the boat, and we rode to the gas station to get gas. So my dad put gas in, in the boat, and as a six-year-old, being in the boat's just a fun thing, right? So my dad turns the key to start the engine after he gets the gas, and the engine explodes. Now, as a six-year-old, when you see that it was an inboard-outboard, you see the, the cover of the engine fly open and a, a, a pillar of, of fire come out of the engine. It's a scary thing. Just telling you, as a six-year-old, I mean, as a 52-year-old, it wouldn't be real fun, but as a six-year-old, it was this really scary thing, and it was so scary, I froze. I, I just... I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. I just stood there. And unbeknownst to me, um, the dock had caught on fire where the gas, where the gas uh, receptacles were. So it was like a big explosion was coming. But I, I couldn't move. So here's what I remember. 
I remember my dad picking up Aunt Susie and setting her on the dock, which between you and me was no simple task. (laughs) That doesn't go beyond this room. At that point in history, it was not an easy thing. Adrenaline was flowing. My dad then runs to the open bow, and he picks up my cousin and throws him on the, on the dock, and I'm still standing there just freaking out. What's going to happen? I don't know. So Aunt Susie reaches down, and she grabs me between my stomach and my pants, picks up by my pants, and sets me on the dock, and she looks me in the eyes and says, Run! <laughs> Got it! So I ran. Um, guy came with a fire extinguisher, put out the fire in the dock. The boat was pushed out to the water. Other boats came and splashed water on it, and it sunk. So I look back on that story, and in reflection, I mean, I was six. Uh, it has an indelible imprint on my brain. But I realized, looking back, that the one safe place for me to be was dry land. That was the only place that mattered at that moment was to be on dry land. It terrified me. The dock wasn't safe enough. I could be on the dock and be okay for a little bit, but if no, the fire got to the gas, it was really going to be bad. So land was the only place to be safe. Now, I tell you that story because here's what Jesus is saying spiritually. He's saying, look, there are all kinds of things you can build your life on. But if you don't center your life on me, you will never, ever find what you're looking for. I'm the one safe place. Again, it's not always going to be easy. If you go back to verses 13 and 14, when he talks about the narrow way, we hung out there and we said, you know what, the narrow way is not a crowded street because there's not that many people on it. And the longer we're on the narrow way, the the fewer people there are going to be and the more unlike the world we're going to be and the more unaccepting the world's going to be of us. But, but understand, it is there when you build your life around Jesus and his teachings and you live those out that you find real peace and real joy. And Jesus said, I, I've told you all these things you can be. I've told you who you can become. I, I've told you you can be a person that turns the other cheek. I've told you you can be a person that loves your enemy. I've told you that you can be a person who goes the extra mile when the Roman citizens ask you to carry their load for a mile. You, You can take it too. You'll be that kind of person. You can be the kind of person who can forgive someone even when they don't deserve it. You can be a person that's full of integrity, that your yes will be yes and your no would be no, and there's never any question. And you can follow me, and you can be that kind of person. But if you build your life on anything but me, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so I want, I, if you really want what this life is all about, you build your life around me and what I've taught powerful statement. And so Jesus, here's the choice, the first choice, do what I've said. Do what I've said and you will find everything you're looking for. But then he goes to the second choice. The second choice 
as you cannot do those things, verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew it and beat against that house, and it fell with a great clash, crash. So I think we need to understand there are a lot of different things on which we can build our lives. There are a lot of foundations that we can build our life houses on. We can build our life houses on material things. And we can convince ourselves, if, if my bank account just has this number, then life will be grand. And what we find in that is that we can find happiness for a little while. But it turns out that whatever that number is, once you have it, it's not going to be enough. If you've built your life around that, it's never going to be enough. You can build your life around what kind of house you live in. But even that's going to fall short. You can build your life around your career and what you want to accomplish in, in the business world or in whatever it is you do. You can build your life around relationships with people. And listen, people matter. I mean, we're, we're instructed that uh, through Jesus' teaching to love God and love people, and, and those are the two things we've got to get right. But, but if we build our lives simply around people and not around Jesus, man, people are going to let us down. And the house isn't going to stand. We can build our lives around wanting people to respect us or even people to like us. And, and here's the reality when we do that, and life's miserable. Because it turns out, not everybody likes us. Not everybody's going to respect us. And wherever we build our lives and whatever we build it on, other than Jesus himself, it is going to be something that lets us down horribly. Because what we do is we want to build our lives on that which is temporary. And Jesus says, my house is the only foundation that will last forever. So you have to choose. Are you going to follow me and what I taught, or are you going to follow something else? It's really kind of a simple choice. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. You follow the teachings of Jesus, or you build your life around something else. And, and here's what you need to say, is you have built your life around something. You have. You are building your life around something. And Jesus says, it's either me or it's not. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was a preschooler. And you're going to understand that I was a really strange kid. Now, most of you already know I'm already a strange adult. I, I know that. But maybe this will help explain it a little bit. So I was the youngest of three boys, and I stayed home as a preschooler with my mom. So, I mean, I would occasionally play with friends and those sorts of things, but I spent a lot of time by myself because mom would do her thing and I would do my thing. So, in order to not be lonely, I had an imaginary friend. And his name was Durdani. I know, I was a preschooler, Durdani. I don't know how a preschooler would spell it, but today I would spell it D-E-R-D-O-N-N-I-E. But Durdani was the best friend Ever. So let, let, me, let me tell you why. Dordani 
and I always wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> it was fantastic. So my parents' house, uh, they had some, some wood walling, and, and we would take those little Nerf uh, basketball things with the suction cups and stick them on the wall, both ends of the room, basketball game around the furniture, and Terdani always let me take the winning shot. Always. It was awesome. Whenever I got tired, he was tired too. Whenever I wanted to play outside, he wanted to play outside. But here was the best thing about Dardani. He always wanted to eat the same thing I wanted to eat. And so my mom, for whatever reason, with this charade, she would put out two plates. And Dardani always let me eat his food. It was amazing. It was amazing. And that went on. I don't remember how old I was. And one day I showed up at the table and my mom brought two plates. And I said, Mom, Dardani's not going to be eating with us anymore. That was it. It was over. But in reflection, here's what I really realized. See, he was not a perfect friend. There was the time I got in a shoving match with the little boy down the street. He didn't help me. We went to the rec center to swim in the pool, and I was having a hard time getting to the side of the pool. He didn't help me. Some adult had to step in and help. And I look back, and and I think about the time that I thought I was Superman, and I was going to jump out of my fort onto the ground, and I sprained my ankle, and he didn't try to talk me out of it. So, I need you to hold on with me, because I know that's the story you're going to remember and talk to me about when we're done, okay? You're going to tell me about your imaginary friends, and you're going to evaluate me, but I'm going to, please set aside the psychoanalysis for just a few minutes, because there's a real important truth here. We convince ourselves that things are true that are not. We convince ourselves that if I just succeed in this area of my life, life will be grand. We convince ourselves that if everything works out the way that I want it to work out in a specific area of my life, then I won't have any more troubles, I won't have any more problems, and life will be exactly like I want it to be. But please hear me. When you build your life on that which is temporary, the house will not stand. Stop fooling yourself. Stop pretending. Stop pretending that if I just get raise A, then life is going to be perfect. It's not. Stop pretending that if things just come together the way exactly I've planned them out, life is going to be ideal. It's not. And if it is, it's only for a short time. And Jesus says, listen, I'm giving you a choice. I've told you what can be. I can told you, I can, I've told you what is real. I've told you what can happen. Where are you going to build your life? It's either on me or it's not. Please hear me when I say we live in a culture and we live in a time when the culture has convinced us to build our lives around temporary things. And truthfully, as followers of Jesus, we would have this incredible advantage if we really had to sacrifice something to follow Jesus. 
And so I, I'd look at this, and I, and I ask myself, why is it that people who claim to follow Jesus don't build their life around him? What is it about following him that is so hard? Why do we not do that? Why do we not choose to go that direction? And, and I think there's a couple of reasons, but I think one of the reasons is we're just scared. We're scared of the sacrifice he may ask of us. What if he asked me to move to Africa to be a missionary? What if he wants me to be a preacher? What if? And we create all of these horrible scenarios in our head. And if I go all in, there's no telling what Jesus may ask, to do, ask me to do. I'm going to encourage you to look at Matthew 18. Jesus made this incredible promise in Matthew 18. He said, whatever, whatever you give up for me, whatever sacrifice you make, I promise you, you will receive back a hundredfold whatever it is you give up. That's a big promise. And Jesus, throughout this whole journey of his life, through all of this teaching, he is saying, listen, I know it sounds like a big deal to build your life around me. And I know that it can be a sacrifice for the things here on this earth. But here's what I'm telling you. It is the only real thing. Build your life around me. I'm reminded of what Dallas Willard said when he was talking about following Jesus. He said, you know what? If you find something better than Jesus, you need to do it. You need to do it. Because you're not going to find anything better. And life storms are going to come and the difficulties are going to happen. But what have you built your world on? What's the foundation for you? And so today, I just, I, I, as we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, I, I think the bottom line is, now it's time to do it. We've been talking about this for months. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse, all the way through. This is what Jesus taught. This is who he said we can be. This is who he is and who he wants us to be. Now it's time to decide. Are we really going to live for him or not? That's what he was telling the crowd that day, and that's the question I have for us. Are we really in? Or are we just going to pretend? Because see, if Jesus is the center of my world, it's going to change everything about how I live. It's going to change how I interact with people. It's going to change how, what kind of employee I am. It's going to change what kind of spouse I am, what kind of parent I am. It's going to change everything about me. If he is really the center of everything, it's going to change everything. And i got to tell you, for those of us that have, and we're not perfect, that, have, that are trying to build our lives around Jesus and everything, it's just hard to comprehend why you wouldn't. It's just hard to comprehend. So today the challenge is this. What's your world built on? Is it built on the eternal? Or is it built on the temporary? You're the only one who can answer that question. Well, which is it for you? 
We wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, and the final message is, let's go do it. Let's pray. 